So we've been walking through, kind of deepening and taking a more mature look at overall Scripture now for quite some time. We're getting very close to the conclusion of our 66 books of the Bible. Jesus revealed in each and every book. Last week we talked about 1 Peter. This week we're going to talk about Jesus being revealed in 2 Peter. If you take your notebooks and pass them down if you've not already done so and get your note cards, uh, we'll walk through some ideas on that page. This is interesting because when you look at 1 Peter... And then you evaluate 2 Peter, two letters that Peter wrote to these believers. Um, it's really intriguing that he wrote 2 Peter almost immediately after he wrote 1 Peter. In other words, he writes a letter, and almost immediately he's penning another letter. Why would he so suddenly, so quickly, so abruptly be writing a back-to-back letter? Why didn't he just include it all in the first one? Because after Peter sent his first letter, then he began to get reports that there were false teachers leading Christians astray in these early churches that were seemingly fragile, and they needed a lot of cultivation and development and teaching and training and equipping in the Word, in in Scripture. And so here's this letter, and he's addressing these types of scenarios of making sure that these believers, these Christians, they have a true knowledge of God. The word knowledge, just three chapters in this brief letter, the word knowledge appears 15 times in the book of 2 Peter. So obviously he's constantly coming back to this over and over again. The theme is really simple. Pursue spiritual maturity through the power of God's Word. The message today is pretty simple. Pursue spiritual maturity through the power of God's Word. You can't just be spiritually mature because you hope you get spiritually mature. You have to feed yourself so that you grow and you nourish yourself on the level of the Spirit. That's why you constantly hear us talking about turn the page. And I know there are a lot of things you can do, a lot of avenues, a lot of approaches, a lot of online digital things. There's just nothing that you can do that I have figured out that is a more effective way for you to leave a legacy for your children your children's children, for your spiritual sons and daughters, those that you will mentor, that one day after you're gone, your faith will still speak as they open up the Bible and see where you had journaled through Genesis to Revelation, leaving an impacting legacy in people's faith and in their lives. So we constantly come back to this over and over. This is what Peter's doing. He's repeatedly pointing to the Word of God as the primary means of growth for Christians. Peter will constantly, when you read 2 Peter, you will see that he constantly is pointing to the Word of God as the primary means of growth for Christians. So, with that in mind, with that being the groundwork of where we're going in this particular book to understand today, uh, you can see on your note card, Jesus is revealed in 2 Peter as the truth, everybody say the truth, the truth that protects and sustains true life. That is who Jesus is. That's who Peter reveals him in this letter, addressing the false teaching. You're starting to go astray. You're not understanding correctly the knowledge of God. And he's introducing Jesus as the truth that protects and sustains true life. So I want you to think about this. How important is truth? How important is truth? I want you to think about the most meaningful relationships in your life. How important is truth? Think about your your job, your career. How important is truth? This is a pretty important concept. In fact, it's far more central than what any of us could ever realize. And if you think about maybe a time in your life that you came to some erroneous conclusion that caused you then to make a decision and it was all based on wrong information, then what you find yourself uh, doing is standing in this posture of regret. We all say it, and we've all said it, and we'll all say it some more. If I only knew then what I know 
now it wouldn't be like this. What are we saying? Truth is really important to a flourishing life. Truth is really important to healthy relationships. Truth is really important to a healthy lifestyle. If you don't get the information right, then you make all kinds of decisions that you really do ultimately regret. I, um, I was thinking about this actually this morning, just pondering the times that I made wrong decisions based on wrong information. I thought about the time I was speaking and, and the chairs had been moved and I'm standing next to my wife and it was my turn to go up and speak and and, um, and people had kind of moved around in worship, and I, I got the cue that it was my turn, and so I just reached over, and, and some of you heard me tell this before, you know, I reached over and just patted my wife's uh, hind end like I sometimes do. I'm a romantic guy that way. And so I just reached over and just patted her fanny, and, and then I started to walk up, and I realized that my wife was actually standing over here, and that was the wrong fanny I patted. It was somebody else's fanny. Uh, it, was, it was wrong information. It was a very bad situation. And I immediately started saying, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, that was like not what I intended. I, I mean, that never it shouldn't happen. But regret rolled in, right? So it's happened. I, I thought about uh, when I was speaking at a, an event, and, and we, I don't normally eat before I speak. I just don't like to have food on my stomach, but, but they had asked for a specific meeting prior to, and so we were eating, and, and all of a sudden, I had to go to the bathroom, and, and I, we were at a restaurant, and I, I knew uh, that you know, the hotel was on the way to the, where I was going to be speaking, and so I, I excused myself, and I left, and I went to the hotel, and I mean, I'm driving fast and furious because when you got to go, you got to go. And so I'm driving. I pull in and park where you're not supposed to park in the hotel. And, uh, and, you know, like unless you're checking in. And I lock the car and I run in. And the lobby is packed full of people waiting to get on the elevator. And, and, and I'm thinking, oh, no, this is not good. Whatever was going on in the hotel had just released a break or something. And all these people waiting in line. But I, I remember I was just like two doors down from the staircase and on the fourth floor. So I ran over to the stairs and just ran up. And when I came out into the hallway, the cleaning crew, they were in the door, two doors down. And, and, and I just went over and I kicked them out of the room. They had just started. And I said, you don't need to clean today. It's fine. Just go. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And they said, you don't want to clean. No, no, no. Just go. And I shut the door and I go into the bathroom. And, and there I am in, in this bathroom. And I'd been there for a moment or two and, and realized, when I looked over by the sink, there were perfume bottles and hairspray. I didn't run up to the fourth floor. I ran up to the third floor, and the cleaning crew was in some woman's room that I had invaded, and now, I mean, like, I fully owned the bathroom, if you know what I mean. I, I am in the, and I'm starting now to think about these people in line to get on the elevator and how this woman might actually be about to come walking into her room. And I would just, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was so crazy because I, I, I stood in the room and thought, how do I get out of this? And, and I creaked the door open and looked and, and slipped out and shut the door real fast and just, it was crazy because the way I got in was with such boldness, and the way I went out with, was with such humiliation. <laughs> and this is what I thought about with that particular experience in my life. Many times, ignorance is coupled with arrogance. And many times, humility is coupled with truth. 
And today I want us to really look at this because Peter's trying to address this and say, don't get off in ignorance. How many of you know people who decide they're just going to go their own way, pay no regard to what God has to say? They usually get in that state of ignorance which produces a position or an attitude of arrogance. But when they say, no, I want the truth, I really want the truth. I don't want to live a life that's not born from truth. It's got to be central to my life. That's when you see in a person a sense of humility. Help me understand more. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and following. I want you to hear the word knowledge as much as he says it as we look into Peter today. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Jesus. Central, right up front. If you're going to live a godly life, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, the promises, the scripture, it's a pretty important component, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature of God and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. You have faith, good. You need to add to your faith these other qualities and components and characteristics. For this reason, add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Very important verse. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowledge. Knowledge of God. True knowledge of God. According to what Peter is saying here, we are all capable of deviating from the true truth and entering into a knowledge of God that is ineffective and unproductive. There are, and listen, this has not been easy. When we've looked at these books and Jesus revealed in the books, and I want to just reiterate to you, I've never said this before. Last week I said, you may not have ever heard me say it, but I know you've never heard me say this before, but if you didn't hear Jesus revealed in the book of James two weeks ago, go back and listen to that message. Just because, just because a person believes there is a God, just because a person believes in God does not mean a person is a Christian. Demons even believe, and James is clearly revealing that. We have raised up a generation where we've catered so much to consumerism in a culture. I believe there are a lot of people who think they're Christians that simply are not Christians. They know what it is to have a faith that there is a God, but they don't know what it is to live by faith. And I want to say we must be men and women who live by faith. Come on, bring it in. Bring it into your life. Bring it into your legacy. We must live by faith. It's about a knowledge of God, an understanding of who Christ is. It's about an awakening of something spiritual, supernatural, and eternal within us that causes us not to just live by religious preference, but to truly live by conviction. There are certain things about my life that simply will never change because they possess eternal value of the deposits that have been placed within me. And you. Peter is calling to these deposits, and he's saying, don't be dissuaded. Don't lose sight of what God has revealed in you. Stay true to the deposits of his word. 
So why do we even need to be concerned with, I mean, add to your faith, goodness, knowledge, brotherly affection. If you really think about what this is talking about, because knowledge and, and teaching and apostolic and prophetic and all those things that are, are, you know, the body of Christ, the church, the family of God. Guys, we need each other. We need our gatherings together as the church. Church is not a, a, a preference in our lives. Church must be a conviction. Church is not just one of those things that God said, well, that would be a good idea to, as a side note. That is why Jesus died, to establish the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Our worship is significant. Our declaration of the word is significant. Our clap of our hands is significant. Our shout and our amen is significant. We are the church of the living God in the earth. Why do we have to be concerned with all this? Because the reason we need to understand that all this speaks of connection and all this speaks of community. If it was just about having faith, you could go maybe do that on your own. But all of this speaks of connection, and all of this speaks of community. You and I were born to be a part of a family. You and I were born to be connected so that we then can see the purposes of God prevail more readily everywhere that we go. I, I hear the conversation a lot. Maybe you've heard it. Again, I'll, I'll just reiterate something. Places of ignorance give birth and make room for places of arrogance more readily. And I've heard the conversation and had people say, why can't everyone just stay out of my business while I'm trying to find my own way? You've heard that before, haven't you? Everybody has to be all in my business. Why can't they just? Usually that's the person who's going wayward that starts to have that kind of conversation. You know why they don't want anybody in their business? Because they're not interested in really knowing the truth. They're interested in finding their own way. And it's a really important element that we understand. According to Scripture, it is not good for us to be alone and on our own. You need people in your business. I need people in my business. We need people in our business. We are family. We're not always going to hear what you want to hear. You will. We are committed to letting you hear what you need to hear. That's what family does. And according to Scripture, it's not good for us to be alone and on our own. According to the Bible, you and I need community in our lives to truly be enlightened the way God wants us to be enlightened, to have an understanding of Christ and to walk that out. Otherwise, if we don't have those alignments and connections and relationships within the structure of the family of God, we are easily and readily deceived. And the more deceived we become, the more defeated we will be. I want you to think about it. We structure our lives in a certain way. When we read the Scripture, we, we structure our lives a certain way. When we neglect the Word of God, we structure our lives another way. And I thought it would be good just to demonstrate this by way of pictures and uh, pre appreciate Carissa hanging with me on this because they've never had this many pictures to contend with in a, uh, a message that I've done. So we'll walk through this. I'm going to give you these three, three pictures to show you uh, San Francisco after a 7.0 magnitude earthquake. And so here you see primarily suspended structures suffered in this particular earthquake, 7.0, where the bridge began to collapse, the cars, obviously, there's carnage there. And then the third picture shows... 
uh, once again, suspended structures primarily. Now, there was damage, no question, and it was very tragic in this scenario in uh, 1989 that 63 people were killed. But primarily, what I want you to understand, that 7.0 magnitude earthquake in San Francisco um, did damage primarily to suspended structures. And then in another part of the world, there was an equal magnitude earthquake. And it wasn't in the United States. It wasn't in San Francisco. It was in Haiti. And perhaps you remember, this hasn't been too long ago in 2010. It was a horrible tragedy, but a 7.0 earthquake hit Haiti. And here are, I think, three pictures showing you some of the structures there. Not primarily just suspended structures, but these are homes. An entire hospital collapsed, full of patients and doctors. Uh, The next picture shows, uh, again, a large structure of facility and massive, massive, look at how horribly uh, that carnage is, how horrible the carnage is as a result of that 7.0 earthquake. Now, I want you to think about something. A 7.0 earthquake in San Francisco, tragedy, kills 63 people. A 7.0 earthquake in Haiti didn't kill 63 people. It killed almost a quarter of a million people. Exact same magnitude. What's the difference? Structure. Structure. And I want to make this statement, and I want to make this statement very clear, and it's your blank if you'll write this in. Biblically impoverished people live poorly constructed lives. Biblically impoverished people. I mean, I want you to know, we don't have this all figured out, but what we do know is Jesus is Lord, and His Word is true, and we're going to do everything we can to constantly come back to that over and over, even when we make mistakes, and we'll make mistakes even organizationally. We try not to do that, and we have an abundance of counsel, and we're constantly walking in total transparency, and every one of us individually needs to be doing that as well. That's just got to be the mode of our lives if we really want to walk in humility, surrender to truth. Otherwise, we walk in ignorance, and we perpetuate arrogance, and we don't want that. We don't need that. That's not the spirit that God wants us to carry. God wants to carry a spirit that says, I want more of what God has in store. Biblically impoverished people live poorly constructed lives. You need to understand storms are inevitable. Storms are, we live in a fallen world. Storms are inevitable. Faith is optional. Courage is optional. Where you stand in your relationship with God is the determining factor of how you structure your life so that you can endure and weather the storm. You know, we've been involved here for a long time now. Almost three decades involved in being involved in people's lives and connected on personal ministry levels. And, and it is so grievous when over the years we've watched and seen people just simply dismiss the truth of Scripture from their lives. You, do you hear what I'm saying? Please tune in spiritually to get an impartation of what God's trying to bring. Over the years, I have personally watched as people have purposed to dismiss Scripture and the truth of God's Word in the way they live their lives, and the results are always the same. The results are always the same. 
When we dismiss God's perspective, our lives begin to unravel. It looks a lot like those pictures in Haiti when the earthquake took place, and our marriages then start to look like uh, the fallen structures. Our, our lives, our, our finance start to look like fallen structures. When we start to look, uh, the results are always the same. The situations and the circumstances that we're walking through in our lives becomes carnage and rubble, and we're constantly trying to pick up the pieces. And not only that, I want, to just, I want to just challenge you to think about something because what Peter's saying in 2 Peter as he's sending this letter is he's saying you've got some false teachers in the mix. These people aren't false teachers because they decided I'm going to be a false teacher. They were false teachers because they believed something that was false. They believed something that was wrong. And they were very, uh, they probably felt very justified in their declarations and their teaching and, and what they were trying to bring. But you have to understand, ignorance perpetuates arrogance so often. And in all of our lives, it's not that we want to live our lives in the wrong direction, it's just that we're misinformed. We're missing information that's a critical component to what God is calling us to do. And, and rubble begins to happen and carnage begins to take place. But listen very carefully. Carefully. This is not just about your life. Don't be confused. This is not just about you. As Peter was writing to these teachers, and he was saying, you're confusing others. I want to say to you, get this right, because if you don't, you will perpetuate confusion that will produce devastation, not only in the lives of those around you, but in the lives of your children, in the lives of your children's children. And come on, we need a heritage and a legacy of truth. This is vitally important. Your life is not just about your life. Your life is about your world. Your life is about a generation that will never even meet you, but you will have an impact. We are much like a a pebble in a pond that ripples out eternally. And your life, what you live and what you do and what you don't do, it matters. And it will perpetuate in the halls and echo in these halls of eternity, generation after generation after generation, impacting and influencing hundreds and thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives. That which comes naturally grows easily in our lives. That which comes naturally grows easily in our lives. In my backyard, we have these trees, and and around the trees, they have these thorn vines. Anybody have these thorn vines? Like, they can be short, and then when you go to dig up the the root structure, I mean, a, a, a six-inch thorn vine can literally have three feet of root underground. And it grows up and chokes the trees and kills the trees. And, and I mean, I don't have to water the thorn vines. They just grow naturally. I have to work to dig those things up. How many of you know in your yard, crabgrass grows easily, right? Weeds grow easily. How many of you know in your life, bad attitudes grow easily? See, that which comes naturally is that which grows easily, but you should not submit to that which comes naturally and grows easily, you should rise above that and declare, I am a man and woman of the Spirit, and I will not settle for that which comes naturally and grows easily in my life. 
I was having this conversation with my girls. Here they are on the front row listening to me rail at them uh, on Scripture and going on again and again. They, they get this as a dad uh, element at home as well from a very different perspective. But we constantly come back to the Word of God. We constantly, when we're trying to make decisions, whatever it is, having conversations, we constantly come back to the Word of God. And one time when they were very little, they were being fussy at each other in the back of the car while I'm driving down the road. And I, and I said the statement, you've said it, we've heard it. If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. Be kind to your sister. Remember Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another. That was our conversation in the car. That's our theme verse. We had that verse plastered all over the house. And anytime there was an unkind remark or attitude, we would point back. And that became a theme verse. And it's a cultural uh, expression for us. There's a song we sing. Would you like for me to sing? Faith and let you stand and sing. Just stand and sing today. <laughs> so we have this theme song, and we wanted a culture of kindness in our home. You know what? Kindness doesn't happen naturally. How many know it's a lot easier to be unkind than it is to be kind? But you have to reverse that order of the fallen curse by introducing something that's more powerful than the order of the fall, and you're declaring out of the resurrected power of Christ. His Word will begin to shape and declare this. And if I've told you once, and if I've reminded you once, I've told you a thousand times, and I'll remind you a thousand more, because we're not going to submit to that which comes naturally and grows easily in our lives. We're going to be men and women of the Spirit, men and women of the Word. And as I was making that declaration to my children, I realized this is the declaration God makes to me. Lawrence, why are you doing this? How many of you have made a mistake and you felt like I blew it? How many of you made that mistake more than once? How many of you made that mistake so many times, you blew it so many times, you had a full-on blowout? And God's just like, Lawrence, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, but if I have to tell you 10,000 more, I love you enough to tell you until we finally get this right. Come on, that's the God we serve. That's the loving Father we know. Peter makes this very clear as he goes on in verse 12, and he says, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them, and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I'll always remind you. know it. You've heard it. You've believed it. We've talked about it. But I'm going to keep on reminding you until this becomes what's normal in your heart and in your life. This becomes the standard, the norm for who we are. We are men and women who are born of the Spirit. We discern the things of the Spirit. Listen, one week from today, we are going to gather together for a fifth week focus, a fifth Sunday focus. And every fifth week, you might not realize it, but every fifth week, we take what we call a prayer and prophetic focus. And next Sunday, one week from today, I want to ask you to come prayed up during the week. I want to ask you to fast and pray and believe for heaven to open, for all of us to have our ears open to the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, God is having a conversation in this room right now. God wants to have a conversation 
conversation with you every day of the rest of your life. God wants to be able to say to you, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, and I'm telling you again, God's going to awaken a greater hearing to his voice in our hearts and our lives one week from today than what we've ever seen or known before. Do you believe with me? Do you have faith with me? That is my prayer, and that is my faith. That is my declaration this week, all week long. That's going to be my focus, praying and asking God, give us ears to hear the voice of God. Do you understand you hear the voice of God? You might not even realize you hear the voice of God, but we're going to hit this very hard next week, and I believe God's going to help quicken us and awaken us to a greater sensitivity to what God desires to say. It's just what's normal. The reason it's normal, and you have to understand, the enemy's just a chief liar, isn't he? Truth, knowledge of God. Lies are the language of the kingdom of darkness, while truth is the language of the kingdom of light. That's why when we are enlightened to truth, that word light is right in the center of that whole conversation. People who think they've figured it all out and they turn from God, people who think they figured it all out and they turn from God, live in a world of lies that they've created themselves and embraced. God wants something better for you than that. Behind every sin we commit is a lie we believe. It's your last blank. Behind every sin we commit is a lie we believe. And God's word, it's what Peter was saying, God's word is how we protect and embrace healthy perspectives that will keep us effective and productive in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be effective and I want to be productive in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So your action point this week, I know you hear it all the time. I've told you once, I'll tell you a thousand times. I know you, you see the video sometimes and you think, turn the page. How many times do we have to hear about turn the page? But Paul said, I know you know this, but it's important enough that I'm going to keep on reminding you about it. And I really do have a personal pastoral conviction that this is something that is to become an incredible expression from our heart, from our house, into the lives of many. We've got, we've got a variety of groups now that have written in and contacted us and said they've picked up the idea of Turn the Page Youth Groups. Kids Ministries have picked this up because it is so easy to do. A lot of people in this church have told me, I've been in church all my life, I've never read the Bible through. And then they started turning the page and got all the way through the whole Bible. It's amazing. It's just really healthy. So that, that's your, I want to ask you this week, take this week, your action point, turn the page. If you haven't started, get an old-fashioned Bible, start in the book of Genesis, write the date, Every day, turn the page. Your mind's not always going to understand. Don't require your mind to understand to read the Bible. You're not a human being trying to cultivate a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being cultivating a human experience. And even if your mind doesn't understand, you keep nourishing your spirit. And what will happen one day, the conclusion of this Bible that has all these different things written in it, little journal notes, people say, I don't have big revelation from God. Like I wrote in my Bible this last week one day, played golf today. <laughs> I mean, you know, like... Just, you're just putting things in there that are going on in your life. And one day your children, your children's children, they're going to read that. I've got a few pictures of these that I want you to, to just see to give you, again, the, the idea of this. Here's a Bible from a man who carried his Bible in World War II. 
And I want you to think about what his grandchildren feel when they pick up this Bible that was in the hands of their grandfather through World War II. Can you imagine the meaningful value of that particular Bible? Here are some friends of ours that were actually holding a Bible that belonged to Smith Wigglesworth. How that, that Bible is even available for them to pick up. Uh, this is in England. I'm not even sure. I would think it should be preserved uh, just for people to see. But Smith, I mean, if you don't know who Smith Wigglesworth is, you probably should find out. Amazing giant in the faith to our generation just prior to. Amazing what God did in his life. And, and here's his Bible that his hands turned those pages. Here, here's an, a, a Bible that is actually my Bible where I wrote about Lexi's first steps. And if you follow me on social media this week, you saw the picture of me holding Lexi. And the day she took her first steps, I wrote that in the margin of the Bible. One day, her children, her children's children, are going to hold my Bible in their hand and see where their mama, their grandma, took her first steps on July the 22nd, 2002. That's meaningful. This is another... <clears throat> picture. Those are just some of the Bibles I have over my office. And then the next one is uh, where we're doing this with our discipleship class, our youth, our students, and then our art class in our school. Uh, we're really working to try and implement and, and integrate this into the lives of these young people. So why? So that they will know God's truth. Let me just, I want to ask you for a poll. Let's take a quick vote. How many of you believe that if these kids will turn the page and get in the Word. Their lives will be better. Like, biblically impoverished people live poorly constructed lives. If we can get our kids to embrace this, their lives will be better. How many of you know it's easy to see that about other people? But we need to let it land on us. Now, I've learned my kids watch me more then they hear me. What I do has a lot more weight than what I say. And there have been times they've let me know, Dad, I hear what you're saying, but I've been watching what you're doing. I'm not sure I understand. They are so much like their mama. Straight up, man. <laughs> and I'm a better man because of it. I mean, you know, we need people telling us the truth. You need somebody telling you the truth. Maybe you're here and you've structured your life in such a way and decisions you've made have positioned you in a place that you're really not ready to face the magnitude of storm the enemy's trying to bring. And I want to ask you today just to really ponder what God may be asking from you. Jesus didn't die so you could have and enjoy vacation. He died so you could have and enjoy life. If, if all you do is live for vacation to escape this horrible life that I live in, and you don't understand the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, you've missed it. There's joy every day that you live as you wake in the presence of God and you begin to sense the nearness of God. And even in the difficult times, the most difficult moments that you walk through, we talked about that just last week, those difficult moments, those are the moments even with God, you can begin to thrive in those situations and other people be inspired by the faithfulness of God 
in those difficult times. So Lord, I pray that on this day, July the 23rd, 2017, that you would deposit something in us today of a deep challenge that would be awakened more than just a moment of conversation we're having in this hour together, but in the course of this week, Lord, it would be awakened again and again. I'm asking you for a substantial deposit to be made in every one of our hearts and minds and lives in the name of Jesus, helping us to lead the way and be the example of what we know would help this next generation be more productive and effective in their faith and their knowledge of Christ. Lord, may we lead that charge in our own lives, in the way we love, in the way we serve, in the way we give with the eternal priorities of God being established in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name.